haven't had a whole lot of time to sermon prep this week, I'm going to be honest with you. Bear with me as I have my computer out. There are moments in every city that change everything. If, like me, you grew up in Nashville, you know exactly where you were when the 98 tornadoes hit. You know exactly where you were for the 2010 floods. The early morning hours of March 3rd, 2020, you know exactly where you were. There's not one person within the sound of my voice right now that can't tell a moment by moment story of that morning. I'd just ridden out the storm in my pantry with my family. We weren't there very long because it didn't last very long. We live about a mile north of here, so we didn't sustain any damage. Um, When it was over, I went upstairs to try to find something on the news to see if anything had actually happened. Was it just another, you know, Nashville tornado false, false alarm? Before long, Paul Craig called the house. He was pretty shaken up. He said, I don't know how bad it is, but your steeple's in the middle of the street. I didn't know what else to do, so I put my clothes on and I figured I'm going to drive as far as I can get. We'll walk the rest of the way. Past Rose Pepper, I didn't see anything. Turn left on 16th, I didn't see anything. I started to approach Woodland Street right over here. There's some debris on the ground. Lachlan table looked completely normal from what I could tell in the dark. But there was that eerie outline of our steeple just sitting upright in the middle of South 16th Street. And I, and I had no idea what to make of it. So I parked my car. I began to walk. I saw the bricks on the ground, the trees in the yards, but it was, it was until I got to the corner of Holly Street before I realized the devastation. Now, I know people <clears throat> use the term war zone a lot. Um, I, I don't have any other way to describe the scene at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, I walked around the building. I could tell it had sustained a lot of damage. It looked like the roof had been blown off. All the windows were gone. But when I got right over there, I saw one of these mighty trees that have sat in this courtyard for generations. Pulled up by the roots. And laying where you're sitting right now. 
and it broke me. I don't know why it was the tree and not the building. I guess even in that moment, I could, I could process the fact that the building is bricks and mortar and we can buy more bricks to put on top of other bricks, but the tree would take generations to replace. And, and I sat in the middle of Holly Street and I just started to cry. I mean, where do you even start, right? And then I saw Brandon Corsi. I saw JJ. I saw the firemen wandering in the streets. We started going door to door. We went down to Miss Baggett's house to make sure she was okay. By 5 o'clock in the morning, people were filtering into the streets, and you just pick up a limb, and you drag it into a yard. You try to clear as much of the street as you can. By 7 a.m., two guys showed up. And they had a backhoe, and they had a forklift, and they were starting to pick up the heavier trees and telephone poles. It was an hour before I even thought to ask who sent them. Nobody. We're from Gallatin. We saw it on the news. We just wanted to come help. It's been like that all week. Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, people continue to just show up. They just want to help. We've been here every single day. And people keep asking me if I'm okay. Are you tired? You need to go home. I'm not. I am not tired. And the reason I'm not tired is because this week I have had a front row seat to the most powerful outpouring of love and service I have ever witnessed. And I didn't want to miss a minute of it. Thousands of volunteers came to this place Thousands of volunteers were sent out from here into our community. We have had our hands on over 600 homes this week. Over 150 projects completed. Whether it's trees that needed to be cut and moved, debris that needed to be cleared, streets, windows boarded up, roofs, tarped food and water and boxes and blankets have been delivered countless meals have been supplied to a neighborhood that still has no power and it all started organically as people just brought stuff we set it up in the driveway of the fire hall and people came and more people came. And Sharon and Lewis showed up with their team. And they brought grills. And they start, started serving hot meals. And they haven't stopped. They're tireless. Every single team I sent out this week. Every single volunteer I saw. Every person that I touched. I said to them one thing, and I'm saying it to you now. Thank you. I cannot begin to express the depth of my gratitude for your heart, 
for your service, for your desperate desire to be a part of making whole what is broken. All week long, there's been a particular passage of Scripture bouncing around in my head that the, that the Lord has laid on my heart, and He just hasn't released from me. Uh, and it's, it's in the 61st chapter of Isaiah. It starts with these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. You see, Isaiah in the 61st chapter, he is announcing a season of restoration for Israel after a long period of brokenness and despair. His prophecy continues in Isaiah 61 verses 3 and 4, as is our tradition at the church at Lachlan Springs. If you are able, I would love for you to stand with me. As we read God's word. Isaiah 61 verse 3. I've been sent to provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festival oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify Him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. God, we stand in this place this morning humbled and amazed by your presence, recognizing that your presence has nothing to do with the bricks and mortar of that building. It is not limited by time and space. I don't have words. So we ask you to speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Y'all can be seated. Beauty from ashes. It's the phrase that has been in my head and on my heart all week long as I have seen you come to this place desperate to serve. Every blue tarp, every plywood window is beauty instead of ashes. Festival oil instead of mourning, splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. The 61st chapter of Isaiah is not the, it's not the first time that, that Isaiah used that metaphor of, of oaks. As a matter of fact, as, as the book begins, Isaiah chapter 1. 
Israel was in a season of rebellion. They had turned their backs on God and, and Isaiah came out guns blazing. He called them oaks in the first chapter as well. But in the first chapter of Isaiah, he says they're dry oaks whose leaves have withered. Oaks that will fall. But now in Isaiah 61, as he announces this season of restoration, he tells Israel that now they will be called oaks of righteousness, oaks that will stand tall and mighty and eternal, oaks that will, are, will be planted by the Lord for his glory. I mourn that tree. I will mourn it for a long time. I don't know if we're going to be able to save these other two. What I do know is that the Lord has planted us here as oaks of righteousness and we will not wither. It's beautiful poetry. It's beautiful imagery. It's beautiful prophecy. It's powerful. It spoke to the nation of Israel in the moment. It, it spoke to them in this time of restoration. But like much prophecy, the book of Isaiah has a twofold meaning. Isaiah was not only speaking to the nation of Israel as they, as they returned from exile, as they were rebuilding their nation. He was pointing to the future. He was pointing to the one that would bring this celebration, that would bring beauty from the ashes, not only for a season, but for all of eternity. In Luke chapter 4, <clears throat> Jesus has been baptized. He's just spent his 40 days in the wilderness. His public ministry is just beginning. He spends some time in Galilee, teaching in the synagogues there. And then he goes back to Nazareth. He goes back home to that place that he grew up. The scene is described by Luke in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Luke writes, he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives. Recovery of the sight to the blind and set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As he begins his public ministry, Jesus opens the scroll to the place Isaiah announces the Messiah's jubilee. He then rolled up the scroll 
gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. There was a season in which Israel came back from exile. The nation was rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt. But it is, it is Jesus that brings this jubilee for all of us for all time. It is Jesus that heals the brokenhearted. It is Jesus that proclaims liberty to the captives. It is Jesus that gives us beauty instead of ashes. It is Jesus that allows us to love the way you have seen love over this past week. That allows us to to love without agenda, without strings attached. 1 John 4.19 tells us that, that we are only able to love like this because he first loved us. What you saw this week was an overflow of a divine divine Jesus love that cannot be held back. What you saw this week was a love without agenda. If you are a part of our congregation here at the church at Lachlan Springs, you have heard me stand in that building behind you a thousand times and proclaim that we will love our community Not so that someday they darken the door of our building. We would love for that to happen. But that's not why we love our community. You know what? We will not even love our community so that they meet Jesus. Although that is our deepest, ultimate desire. We will love our community because we can't help ourselves. We will love our community because we are so filled with Christ's love, we can't hold it back any longer. If you do not know what that love feels like, if you have not met that Jesus... I don't care if you've never been inside a church or you've been in a pew every Sunday your entire life. Let me tell you this morning, he loves you that way and you can know him. All week long, we've sent teams into these streets. Every morning we send them out canvassing surveying, assessing the situation so they can bring the needs back us so we, so we can connect the resources to the needs. Every single team I sent out to knock on doors, I said to them, understand the first priority is people. Our first priority is hearts and minds and souls. When you knock on these doors, look them in the eye and tell them they are seen, they are loved, They are not alone. And it will be okay. 
for many of us this morning, it's not okay today. I get that. It's been a long week. And it's not over. The highs of service do not discount the tragedy and profound losses many of you have suffered. The effects of this tragedy will remain with us for a long, long time. Hear me say this morning, you are seen. You are not alone. You are loved. It will be okay. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you do. I'm not concerned this morning about your race, your ethnicity, your sexuality, your religious or political backgrounds. The only label you carry that matters to me is an image bearer of the Almighty God. Each and every one of you uniquely, intentionally, specifically designed by the creator of the universe to bear his image and reflect his glory into the world. You are welcomed and you are loved in this place. Each Sunday we take time as a congregation, to pray together. We pray for each other. We pray for our personal relationship with our Creator. We praise Him. We pray for our community. This Sunday will be no exception. Now we are going to take a few moments to approach our Creator. We are going to take time to pray You can come forward. You can pray here. If you don't know how to pray, if you need someone to pray over you, there are men and women standing around the perimeter that would love to pray with you this morning. This morning, we pray to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one who brings beauty from the ashes. The one who comforts those who mourn. The one who heals the brokenhearted. The one who has planted us as oaks of righteousness for his glory.